0: Involution. That's our podcast. You said that pretty good. Okay. All right. Welcome to the Spiritual Involution. <laughs> so, David had to pass today because he is so busy doing all this stuff with uh, church and plays and entertainment and all this jazz. So, I had a babysitter come, and his name's Ryan, and he's a, I guess we could call you a neighbor. Yeah. But you live down the street. But this kid, I don't even think I should call you a kid anymore because he's driving. Um, I have to say you're one of the more mature teenagers I've ever encountered. And it got me thinking how everybody always says to talk to your elderly because they have so much you can learn from them. And, and that's so true because they lived life that I haven't lived. Mm-hmm. But on the same token, I think there's something to talking to the youth and the generation below you to see where their mind's at and maybe to understand their view of things because yeah. it's different than mine. For sure. And I actually asked you if you're a millenni- millennial and you're not. You said you're. Gen Y. And I have no idea what that means, no. Gen Y. <laughs> Eventually they're gonna run out of letters, mm-hmm. I guess. So. I don't know, I don't have a real topic. Yeah. <laughs> but, from your perspective, what, one, what makes you so, ma- do you feel like you're mature for your age? Do you feel like when you go to school you have a, a view of the world that seems like, I would say, an old soul? Or Yeah.
1: I've gotten that a lot. Um, and I've actually pondered it a lot more, um, I'd say, in the last year than I really did. Because I used to take it as a compliment. And I think it definitely is a compliment in terms of being mature. Um, So for instance, if somebody laughs at an maybe inappropriate joke during school, maybe I wouldn't laugh at that joke just because I see it as something maybe different than they would. I can definitely see how that joke, as an example, could be funny But I just don't feel like especially maybe in a school setting and maybe this is too specific of an example but um, I don't know and then so I see it as that maybe laughing at a not funny joke where that could be helpful to be mature and have conversations with adults but I also found that I think part of the maturity comes With maturity, I think I've lost um, some of my childhood, I would say, just because a lot of people associate maturity with being serious, Mm -hmm. at least from my perspective, and I can do a good job of being serious. Um,
0: You think people are let down when you do something that would be maybe maybe more or less your age bracket, like that's Mm -hmm. normal, but then for you, it's extra. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing or something? Yeah, so I think
1: that's <laughs> kind of what I was getting at.
0: That makes sense. Do you think that... What do you see as your generation's overall theme for, like, the world? Do you... I I personally am uplifted by the younger generation's take on their hopefulness yeah. to figure out, like, innovative ways to um, think of more sustainable, mm-hmm. you know, forms of energy or whatnot. Or yeah. do you have a pulse on, on that feeling? Um, or... Or, or where do you feel like it's going in your generation? Yeah, for sure.
1: I feel like, although at times that we can do, like for instance, I don't know if you heard about the Tide Pod Challenge, or these different things that other generations may look down upon. And while obviously nobody should be eating Tide Pods and- um, So you're
0: referring to when the teenagers were eating Tide Pods yeah. to get high? Ew, or something. It was
1: just because I think everybody else... I'm not exactly sure um, on the historic of it, but people were eating it because other people were eating it. And this happened... People were also, like, setting themselves on fire. Yeah. This was a little while back, but I. it just comes <laughs> to mind when I think about it. But on the flip side, I do think that... Especially the younger generations are a lot more pro- progressive um, in the sense... Um, of being more accepting and open to new ideas. Um, I think it's hard when people uh, grow up around a certain idea and then a younger generation comes along and says, oh maybe we shouldn't be thinking that way. And I think it's hard to maybe accept that and comes to terms with the idea of change. I know that change for me and I think for a lot of people is scary. and I think that that kind of goes along with what we're getting at.
0: Yeah. Which brings me to the idea that you, well, probably a little older, really, is the first generation that really grew up with the internet.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: for me, it happened kind of in, I think, seventh, eighth grade. I remember AOL Messenger. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really cool, it was super slow, but. You know, we still had to, I still had a typewriting class with a typewriter, actually. I remember yeah. that. Um, so it's just like starting to become something. But you probably grew up with like. Yeah. I mean, was there, there was, uh, there was cell phones. Mm-hmm. But pro- was there like iPads and stuff then?
1: So probably when I was a lot younger, there was definitely iPods. I remember everybody had the iPods for oh, the music. music. Yeah, yeah in terms of iphones i can still remember when my mom and dad i think my dad had a a blackberry and then my mom had just a flip phone um so yeah i've kind of seen both uh worlds
0: and so that's a fast pace that does like Mm -hmm. a lot of change it's always happening and then Do you think that social media has cultivated your generation and, and shaped it more than let's say my generation? I always think about how Mm -hmm. so thankful I am that Mm -hmm. I did not go to high school with Facebook. (laughs) I mean, it, it seems really hard.
1: Um, yeah, I think there's definitely a climate where people are comparing themselves a lot more to other people. Um, you know, you can choose not to go on social media, and even that brings about some level of scrutiny, I think, from kids. you know, if you don't have social media, oh, then why who are aren't you? you? oh yeah. you're you're nobody yeah. if you don't have a no.
0: Facebook or Instagram or, or Instagram or
1: whatever, or whatever. Um, and so I think it's it's both I don't want to just completely bash it. Um, there are areas that are toxic, I would say, but at the same time. I don't know. Why, why has it been so successful? I guess we as a society have pushed it to be as successful as it is. And I'm pondering whether that is completely bad or completely good or maybe in between. Or maybe it's what it, we make of it, right? Right. Because well, it's we a obviously feed space. into yeah. it. We
0: create the monster itself, uh-huh. right? So there's truth to that. What do you think you wish you could tell the older generation that's kind of running the world right now? Like, mm-hmm. you know, in a few years, it's going to be handed over to your generation. But right now, what would you say to us? Like, you guys are doing well here or you're really messi- missing the mark over here? Um Do you think we have antiquated views since you grew up with this technology so integrated into your life? Do you feel like we're slow to come around on things or what's your take?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it depends on the generation. I think as you get further and further back, you know, um, a couple weeks ago, this saying, okay, boomer became very popular. And it's basically... um, Okay, boomer. I
0: do not know any of this. So so. it's
1: basically saying... to make me hip. Like if um, an older person were to criticize um, a younger generation's way of doing something, um, somebody would say, okay, boomer. Basically saying you're not hip with the times or maybe you're not progressive enough for the times and your way of thinking is...
0: Like a baby boomer who's yeah. pretty old now. Yeah, so somebody who doesn't... <laughs> my parents say yeah.
1: some Yeah, but even um, somebody could be my age and I could say something um, that's maybe not uh, a progressive or accepting way of viewing the world and then I could also, you, or you. somebody could say, okay, boomer. So it's basically um, just scrutinizing, in my opinion, I see it as scrutinizing the older generations not being accepting enough or um, the way they see things as something that's, like, oh, long in the past. Right. Like, we're in 2019. Like, there's new ideas. People need to be more accepting of these ideas, right? right.
0: So, <clears throat> when I met Ryan, I don't know if your views <laughs> are, have always been are shifting, but... You know, you you swing to the right. You are, And I've never met, I mean, at the time I met you, you were like 13. And this kid knew every bit of politics, every player in the game. Yeah. He could argue with me over politics way, way better because he actually knew so much. Mm. Um, now, I remember there was a time when you, were, maybe it was middle school, you went to school and you debated somebody. And, you know, we're in California, so everyone's liberal. Yeah. And you really, <laughs> like, well, Hey. And you really stood your ground and you argued um, conservative views. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was admirable. Do you still have that uh, about you or have your views shifted? (laughs) Or what's your... Yeah.
1: Okay. So I was very interested by that question because, as I was saying, walking back from one of my classes, I was actually pondering this. Um, and I haven't been watching the news nearly as much as I had been and the news that I was watching was uh, I would say exclusively right-wing and I'd say that was in large part just because that's what my family watches and so when I was watching the news uh, it would be from that but I'd say that um, today for whatever reason I've been less passionate about politics and I think that that has a lot to do with how divisive and toxic and I really just had to take a step back because when I was fiercely debating you guys or I always wanted to discuss politics I wasn't really open to the fact that what you were saying like was actually legitimate just because in my view what i had learned there's the mentality that you're right and that whatever somebody else says no matter what it is you have to debate them um because you think that you're i don't know does that make any sense
0: i think we attach a lot of our identity to it Uh so to admit fault or to waver Uh on perhaps making a change in a view is kind of hard Mm -hmm. i think it's hard for people because you're admitting some sort of failure or something in your mind when in reality i think we'd be better off if we were less tied to our beliefs and we could come together more often
1: yeah
0: uh but what i always did appreciate and i'm I'm loving that you're even talking like this about being open and letting beliefs fall and and not being so tied to them but i do hope you never lose that gusto like i thought in my head wow what a brave kid to go to school (laughs) and you know debate on this topic when he knows he's like yeah totally an outsider uh-huh. <laughs> like like that's at the time that's what you truly believed in and i even though i didn't obviously carry your beliefs mm-hmm. i still was in awe of your uh self-esteem to do that because yeah. there would be no part of me i think in eighth grade that if i held an opposing view uh-huh. that wasn't popular yeah i don't think i would i don't think i would be brave enough to even like uh-huh. stand in front of the class yeah. and, and tell my side, you know, uh-huh. in fear of whatever rejection or yeah. you seem to have done that.
1: Yeah. Two things with that. I think, um, I think part of it has to do with because I'm not watching it as much. I don't have a lot of the information. I feel like when you know something about a topic, you feel more compelled to state your opinion whether you're backed up by facts or you feel that because you have a better understanding then you maybe might not humiliate yourself as much. And that goes for everything that doesn't just relate to politics, uh, whether you're a teacher or, um, you're really knowledgeable about, I don't know, science. Right. Um, but I also think it has to do with the fact that, um,
0: I also think you're pretty wise even saying that because a lot of people I feel like specifically with politics, Will sound off like they've actually studied a lot, uh-huh. and they don't. They just no. don't look into it that far. But yeah. they will get very um, attached to an idea. Yeah. Uh oh. Be careful, Tess. <laughs> so it's it's wise actually. I think mm-hmm. that uh, if you and I'm starting to even realize this, and I'm a lot older, is if I don't know something, maybe it's okay to just be mm-hmm. quiet and yeah. listen no, and and absorb know. things.
1: Yeah. Um, So, and to that point, kind of bringing it back to politics, since that was the original question, I think that's another problem, especially, I feel like in the debates, if um, a candidate were to, in the past, support something, and now they change their opinion, whether new information came out, or um, they realize that maybe, as we were talking about, they weren't being so open-minded, and they realize you know, okay, Boomer, right? That Just to tie it all together, that that way of thinking is outdated. And to be able to realize that, I think, is a lot more mature. But I feel like in American politics, if you admit that you are wrong, then that sends a message that you're weak or that you're, like, unwavering. And so how can we get a litmus test on how you're going to perform as a candidate if you Are constantly changing your ideas and I'm not saying that um, it's bad if somebody is constantly changing their ideas just to fit the narrative but I think it's different if you really um, come to terms and understand um, that those ideas maybe are outdated and maybe um, you should have a different way of thinking so I think that there's a difference between just changing your ideas to fit a narrative, and then changing your ideas because you come to the realization that those ideas might not be um, the most progressive and with the times.
0: Right, leaving room to grow. Yeah. Where not being a flip flopper just because you want votes or something, mm-hmm. like you know. Yeah. Oh, all right. A lot of distractions. <laughs> Meanwhile, root. We can't do our podcast if you're throwing a ball near our heads. Oh, what about that generation?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. This is really funny, actually.
0: Hold on. Hold on. All right. Distraction maybe gone for five more minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So when you said that generation, referring to Tessa Noah, I had this thought. Last year, I was going through a little bit of a rough time and one of the things that started happening was I started to ponder on a lot of things in life. And I think this goes back to what you were saying about being mature. I don't know if other kids do this just because I think that's kind of an awkward topic to maybe even bring up. Um, but I was thinking about how when, and this might be on topic, this might be just totally relevant. When, um, say a kid, um, was throwing a tantrum or they weren't doing what you were asking and, uh, you had to reprimand them, whether that just be, um, you know, sternly, uh, reprimand them on their attitude and say, that's not okay. Um, and, um, please don't do that in the future. Right. And say that, that, um, toddler infant child, um, was upset that they were reprimanded and in turn they, We're upset at you, I'm sure you've experienced that when you have to be mad at them, and so in turn they feel like, um, maybe as a coping mechanism mechanism, that they can be mad back at you. And I don't know why I was thinking this, but I feel like if, um, say after that day that you had to reprimand them and there's still tension between you two, and you give them a kiss and then they wipe that kiss away, and then juxtapose that with if, um, say, a teenager was fighting with their parent and, I don't know, they went out, they did something that they weren't supposed to, and maybe what they did has uh, a certain um, weight to it now just because uh, maybe they could have gotten a car accident since they were at that party and there were drinks at that party or whatnot. And so the kid, a teenager, someone who is more mature, either shies away I feel like shying away, I don't know if, uh, I feel like maybe um, wiping the kiss is something more of um, a younger, something that uh, an an infant or toddler that um, views that symbolism as, I don't love you right now because I'm mad at you. But I feel like um, the toddler is stuck in that um, idea that they are mad at their parent. And that tomorrow they're going to wake up and it's all going to be, uh, you know, sunshine and roses and how if a teenager or somebody who's more mature were to do that, is it a greater sign of, um, tension and would that last longer because now they're mature and they have a better understanding of, um, shying away from their parent. I don't know if any of that made sense. I just thought about it last night and I wanted to get it off my chest.
0: So you were thinking about how the symbolism of a toddler experiencing, let's say, a parent yeah. Um, being angry at them and saying, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And so they retaliate by kind of shunning them in return, yeah. perhaps by wiping the kiss off mm-hmm. of their cheek. And, yeah. and that's their kind of standing of, I'm not happy with you. I'm yeah. going to show you you're mad at me. I'm not, I'm not done being mad at you. But that, that kind of similar situation as a mature teenager lingers longer. So you hold things in yeah. longer. So you're not as quick to forgive uh-huh. or let go. Yeah. And is that because you're...
1: I don't know. I think that that kind of has to go with maybe losing innocence in a way. I feel like... uh, And this goes back to what we were saying about politics. I feel like when you are younger, and as well with maturity, when you are younger, your view of the world is very... um, Mono... uh, How would you say that? Um... You, you really only have one way, I think, of seeing the world. Whether that be because you you don't have enough experience like, with um, a different aspect of the world. You haven't seen as many things. You haven't been to as many uh, places. You haven't uh, experienced as many cultures. So your way of thinking in your world is just very one way. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about, about politics. And then I think that when you lose innocence and when you start to maybe mature even more and see the world, I think that it can be very, um, scary, but also maybe even a letdown. I don't know now that we're approaching the holiday season and I'm kind of just going on a rant. So if I'm not like (laughs) saying what I'm supposed to be saying, but I feel like, um, with the holiday season, there's, as the years progress, there's less and less magic to it, if that makes sense. And I feel like when you lose your innocence, and as childhood, Tess is here, so I'm not going to go into too many details about that. But um, I feel like the world is less magical, and you start to realize maybe more of the downsize, but I feel like you have to also look at more of the upsides does that make sense that when you mature you see the world maybe you see people in a way that you didn't see as a child and you see them um, maybe in a much more mature way or maybe you just realize more things than you did when you were younger Yeah.
0: I think going back to even how you were trying to describe the whole toddler incident. Yeah. Um, you grow up and you have one foundation, one viewpoint that's given to you, and you know it shapes your perspective of the world. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it takes getting out and starting to mature, and maybe also I think the empathy muscle starts to grow where. You, you know you see tess and noah and everything is about them mm-hmm. it's you know which it should be they yeah. i'm here to serve them as their yeah. mother they can't survive without their parents uh-huh. but every you see how they think it's it's very yeah, sure. eye focused and as you get older you see your friends at school who might have had a different living situation or a different religion or have had different troubles and you kind of then start to branch out and if you're reading certain history books, you're seeing other points of views mm-hmm. and the ground that you thought was super stable starts to wobble a yeah. little bit, you know, it's not as steady. And then I think that's to me what innocence lost is, is how you're explaining it. Yeah. And, and that is unsettling. And it's also exciting mm-hmm. because more doors open, yeah. um, more expansive thought can happen. You realize so much uh, potential is mm-hmm. out there, but it's almost so vast that it's just like you're looking out into the sea of nothingness yeah. and you don't know where it stops. Yeah. Whereas before, younger, you just see these basic beliefs that are built in little boxes, you know, uh-huh. and for you, it was, you know, Fox News and yeah. you, you idolized your grandpa and uh-huh. he's an amazing man. I, would, I idolize him too. So... I had a similar situation growing up. I idolized my grandma and she was so Catholic and those Catholic uh-huh. views were really hard for me yeah. to branch out of. Like they were just stuck in there mm-hmm. and it took a lot of reading and talking and exploring kind of emotions that it brought up to see the beauty in it, but also see that there's more to yeah. it. So, you know, I think it's a process of growing and I think it's a, it's scary, but kind of cool. Yeah. And it's cool that you're seeing it and... Yeah, I just uh I have hope for your generation, I mm. think. I think whatever you end up being is going to be am- amazing. <laughs> um I don't know how to end it or if there's any way to end it. I don't really know what I was going for with this podcast, but mm. you know, you do have so much about you that's so uh delightful Thank to you. see <laughs> in a younger person. Um when oftentimes I feel like this generation kind of kind of, I don't know, I, like, from my perspective, that you guys, I don't know, I want to say the SH word, but you're 16, but you probably know that, you you get crapped on a lot, uh-huh. like, oh, they're lazy, mm-hmm. or they're this, or, or they're too idealistic, and yeah. I think, um, I mean, every teenager's kind of lazy, every generation, yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us, I mean, exactly. whatever, but I love the idealism, and I love the openness that I see in that generation, mm-hmm. so... I wish more of us would kind yeah. of look to you guys as, as inspiring yeah. and not so much like a, Oh no, look who's taking over in 10 uh-huh. years type feeling. And maybe I'm just projecting that feeling. That's sort of what I, I kind of gather.
1: I think that we can all learn something from each generation, right? I think that this goes back to human nature. We all, as you are saying, we all want to have a stable ground. We all want a little box that we can fit in just to be like everybody else. And we all want to feel, um, a part of a larger group, whether that be a generation or a political party or, uh, a family or a group of people. Right. And we all want to, um, just feel accepted and we all want to feel as part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think that when you start getting with multiple groups, human nature, people start to compare themselves to other people comparing generations, comparing political parties, comparing, um, the fact that maybe the baby boomers might be closed minded. And then comparing the fact that maybe the younger generations, I I don't know if I would say more naive, but more, um, just willing to go out and maybe that just comes with youth and maybe, um, you would have a different view if you were my age. And I'm not saying that to, to attack you in any way, I'm just saying that when we're talking about innocence, I think that as a youth um, and then as a um, an older person, whether that be a, a the boomer generation or even for me, the millennials, or um, uh, what's your generation?
0: I'm on the cusp of millennial to okay. gen, x i don't i get i'm confused so
1: whatever that may be i feel like each side throughout history each side is always going to have their own opinion oh the younger people they don't appreciate us or the younger people they're lazy um they they go out and do things that are risky without um taking into account the implications and then the younger people oh you're old oh you don't um you don't view the world the way i do so you know okay boomer you're Uh, out with the times right so I think that everybody's always trying to compare themselves and look at the negative aspects um, of each group if we were to put them into that box that I was talking about previously but I think in the end we just need to look at the positive sides and realize just we're all human right like in the end we all we may all have different physical characteristics we may all have different beliefs but the one thing that makes us all the same is we're all human and i think we all need to have more human empathy for each other and stop um and this goes back to politics and stop just running to our camp because it makes us feel safe or makes us um feel justified in the way that we believe and i think we need to be just more open and accepting of other people, um, just loving more other people, I think that there's a lot of hatred, um, and I think that there's always been hatred, and I know that we may never, it's possible that we will never, and it's probably, probably, probable that there will always be hate and evil in the world, but I think that the more we educate ourselves, and the more we just sit down and talk like we're doing right now, right? Have a conversation, and I think that makes people more open, more accepting, and more loving of their neighbor. I love it. Thank you.
0: Last question, since this is a spiritual podcast, and you have a pulse on your generation, obviously more than I do. Do you feel like your generation has left uh, certain religions, or are you feeling like the shift in spirituality is becoming... Broader or mm-hmm. different, or is there lack thereof? Yeah. Or?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I was also thinking about that when you were uh, when you were talking about your personal um, uh, with your grandma and the Catholic Church and wanting to hold on for so long because you idolized her, and I think that um, as a younger generation, I see that I, p- because I think we are a little bit more open to new ideas, as we were talking about previously. I think that um, we're less afraid to think for ourselves, I wanna say, right? Just because our family is Catholic or just because our family is Jewish or whatever our religion may be. I think that as we start to educate ourselves and as we start to be more open-minded, I think that people start to and I feel like even maybe religion starts to either open its boundaries or the boundaries start to fall down, right? Because I think that religion is something that's so personal, right? And I feel like a lot of times with institutions, people take the institution, the church, synagogue, temple, whatever it may be. I feel like in some ways it takes away from that personal aspect and makes it something more, I don't know if I would say like structured, but the institution makes it um, like almost like it's something that you have to do, not something that you want to do out of your own, like go to church on Sundays, right? I know a lot of of kids when you were growing up, every That would be the topic um, in our religion books. Oh, Sally um, lied to her mom about being sick because she didn't want to go to church, right? And so I think that when people start to take religion as something that's more personal to them and actually look within and ask themselves, what do they think God is, right? Um, Do they think it's somebody that makes all these rules And if you don't follow one of the rules, then you're instantly a a sinner and you're going to go to hell and you're a bad person. Or do you believe that God is somebody that loves everybody and that rather than um, looking to other people and judging them because they don't fit in that box, or is it a God that just created that person to be the way they are, if that's what you believe in, right? And they created, uh, I don't want to say he or she, because I don't think that um, God is gendered. I think God is uh, transcends, and I don't think that maybe until we die that we will really truly understand if there is a God. But I think that God represents love, and I don't like it when people and religions start to deem other people as less of because they don't do this I don't think that that's what religion is about I think that religion is about having faith that humanity is good and having faith that um we should be kind to other people not because we want to go to heaven but because that's how we would want to be treated right and because we need to have faith that I don't know, for me personally, I struggle with um, this phobia, and I, I, I don't know the exact, but thinking about eternity, for some reason, gives me a panic attack. And not necessarily going to heaven or going to hell, and ha- just, and it's hard to explain to people, but eternity, for some reason, the idea of going on forever and ever, whether that be in death or in the afterlife. It scares me, but I've had to talk, um, one of my aunts who I like to talk to as we're doing right now in this kind of type of forum, she just told me that you can't really um, think about that right now because you really don't know, just how we don't know God is he or she, right? There's so many things that can't be explained, and so right now, rather than trying to define those or put others down because they, I think we just need to love each other. And I think that that's, and that might be hippie or, oh, you know, that's just um very uh, cheesy or whatever. But I think when you actually think about what that means, and it comes down to it, and I know that that can be harder than me just saying we need to love each other. But I think we need to work harder on that.
0: Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree. And I think most of the listeners actually go to the Center for Spiritual Living. And that yeah. is Right up their alley. Most of the people that go to that church for some reason or other, most of them have left kind of an orthodox church and, and found themselves themselves in this place because they wanted more of a broad stroke. Yeah. And there is an there is something to love. And I felt the same way. Like when you say it, you feel cheesy, but it's it's weird that it, it's been programmed to uh-huh. feel cheesy. Like yeah. why? It should be the most powerful word we have. Exactly. And if you really think about what that means. Not just saying I love you in a nonchalant mm-hmm. fashion, but like to truly love yeah. one another, like like they are your your brother or sister. Mm-hmm. Since I've had kids, I use that as the barometer because I've never honestly felt love like that. So I, I really try to extend that kind of love to my neighbor. Not always successfully, but it's yeah. an attempt, you know. Yeah. And, and it, it, that would be a great mindset for everybody. And it would be great if that's the, the way of... That's coming from the generation, you know, after me. So there's hope.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. Well, this is Ryan. And as you can tell, he's only, you're only 16. Yeah. you sound, I don't know. I shouldn't say mature. Is that offensive now? You're just.
1: I I don't know. Yeah. You
0: you just uh, have a way about you that's wise beyond your years. (laughs) Wise is good, right? Yeah. But you can also act 16 and I won't judge you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's it, guys. Yeah, thank you. Ta ta.